2: This show originally aired March 28th, 2019.
3: It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. This is the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze Meat Loaf Celebration. Are you thinking of that unforgettable meatloaf that your mother, your grandmother, a neighbor used to make, or the one at a local restaurant you can't get out of your head? I'm thinking of my mother's meatloaf, which really didn't start out as a meatloaf. I'll get to that in a minute, but I do remember putting that slab of meat on Two pieces of white bread and heavily smeared with Hellman's mayonnaise, salt and pepper, and then taking my first bite of that sandwich. Uh-huh. And to this day, it is one of the best sandwiches I know. We like meatloaf every which way, wouldn't you say? With meat, without meat. Yes. We're going to do them all on Check this show. Chicken,
0: turkey, pork.
3: <laughs> all right. My treasured food buddies are here. Senior producer Robin Doyen Aiken. We have Chris Prosperi right here in the studio at the Big G Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. Alex Province joins us from our sister public station, KJZZ, in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, everybody. Hey,
1: hey, Faith. Hey, Faith.
3: Meatloaf celebration, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. We're going to get into on the show how to make The simplest, most delicious, moist meatloaf, even one in a paper bag. We have that on our site. How to make a seafood meatloaf, meatless meatloaf as muffins. Jump in now or later and tell us on Facebook which restaurant in our region makes your favorite meatloaf as a sandwich or a meal. Go to Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. Is everybody ready for this? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Start the meatloaf party. (laughs) Turn on the oven. Why are we not chomping (laughs) on those sandwiches right now? Uh Uh, So, Chris, would you do us a favor and walk us through your basic –
0: The simplest.
3: The simplest meatloaf so that anyone – could make this meatloaf, yeah. even if you have no cooking experience. Even if you have you, no And you cooking. would think, this tastes good. Yeah. I want this in a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And there's leftovers. I'm happy about that. Right. Okay, starting with the pan, Chris. Alright,
0: starting with the pan. A simple 5 by 9 loaf pan. Either spray it or take a little oil and rub it in there. Real simple. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do too much because there's a lot of, like, fat in burger meat, which is what you're going to use. Ground beef. That's the simplest. In so, this recipe. In this recipe. Just like I said, we're doing the basic, right? So okay. ground beef, I put it in a bowl, salt, pepper, a little onion, and garlic powder, and that's How
3: much of that do you put in? Because you're not tasting it because it's raw.
0: No, but I do (laughs) taste it later, but we'll we'll get into that. I do a two-pound batch. That makes me two because, like you said, I always like to make a little extra for lunch. For the spices, I would do about a tablespoon of kosher salt. That's the big crystals. That's a big crystals. In the and box. Then, Yeah, and then just a couple grinds of fresh black pepper and then about a half a teaspoon of onion powder and garlic powder each.
3: So you put that in with the meat into yep. a bowl.
0: Then you're going to throw in a couple eggs, about a quarter cup of cream, and some breadcrumb. Start with a half cup. You just want to make it so the mixture is dry. Mix that nice and good with your hands. Just kind of knead it till it's it, all mixed up. Yeah, till up. it's nicely mixed mm-hmm. up, and then you take it and put it in your loaf pans. I cover it with foil.
3: Straighten it out, even yes. it out. Yeah,
0: make a loaf. I make Line a little dome, out. and then just you're cover nice it. Deny, yeah. Throw it in a 350 degree oven. You're looking for 155. You covered it. I cover it the whole time with a little aluminum foil. And Very simple. 350.
3: 50. Straighten the center of the oven center for the oven. In
1: 20 minutes. You're looking for 155 on a thermometer. And there's your meatloaf. That's it, Chris. Do you allow yours to rest for fifteen or twenty minutes at the end, or yeah? Oh, yeah. I it?
0: just I make it uh, for dinner. I make it during the day, and it's better to reheat it. I don't know. Meatloaf's now, always better reheated.
3: Now there are tricks we're going to tell you about. That's the basic meatloaf. There are these tips and tricks that we're going to sprinkle through the show that are going to make any meatloaf, including this one we just talked about. Even better, restaurant-worthy, and it, these are the simplest things to do. Everybody listening right now, I dare say, is asking themselves, what happened to the ketchup or the barbecue sauce oh, yeah. on the top? Well, the <laughs> Keep glaze. Going.
1: The glaze. Brown the sugar. The glaze. What? Oh, yeah. what the about, bacon.
3: Yeah. So on the most basic
0: meatloaf, would you just dump some ketchup? I do tomato juice. Oh. And two strips of bacon. So take the meatloaf, put it in your pan. And again, this is not the fancy one. This is the simplest one. They take two strips of bacon, lay it over the top. Uncooked. And then uncooked. And then maybe uh, half a cup of tomato juice and just drizzle that over the top. Juice? Of it. Juice. Just tomato juice. The regular stuff you get in the can.
3: Why not ketchup?
0: I think ketchup's too sweet. A lot of people put ketchup in their meatloafs. I think the tomato juice is just a little better because it's not
1: as sugary. Mm. Chris, that gave me an idea. What about a tomato paste and a little of your tomato juice?
3: You know what? The meatloaf is like a pizza. You can put anything on that top or mm. inside that you want. That's the fun mm. of meatloaf. Some people like it traditional, exactly the way they had it when they grew up or the way they yeah. make it at their favorite restaurant, right? Other people want to play, the way they play with pizza. You could put anchovies on the top with your tomato sauce and olives. Fresh tomatoes. Yes. You could put fresh tomatoes. You could put cheese. You can do anything you want on top of that meatloaf.
0: It's pretty cool. Now,
3: this idea about the eggs, Chris, you Mm -hmm. threw two eggs into your meatloaf. Yep. Because you were doing two different loaf pans. If I'm going to make it, I'm going to make extra. My question is, I read online somewhere that if you put an extra egg yolk only, not the white, you separate it. So you put two eggs like you do, full eggs, and then you put one additional egg yolk. What does that do?
0: Makes it richer. And velvety almost on the inside. The trick with the extra egg yolk makes it so much more silky.
3: What was your bread product mm. inside your meatloaf?
0: Panko breadcrumbs.
3: Panko. That's the Japanese lighter Little, breadcrumbs yeah. that he likes to use. Okay. I want to talk to Brian Mendez, who is the ops manager at KJZZ. And I understand, Brian, welcome to the food schmooze, even though you're high. Hi. Here. How are we all doing? Hey. How's it hey, going in Brian. Phoenix?
4: It's great. It's hot already. Oh, it's that's beautiful. so sad <laughs> for you.
3: So, Brian, as the cook, I'm told you do a basic meatloaf. How do you do yours? Very,
4: very basic. I, I have a, a kid, and uh, he has to get homework done, so I don't have a whole lot of time to make dinner. So I have to be really quick about it. So. My meatloaf is just uh, ground beef, uh, about a pound of that. And then I take a bag of uh, Ritz crackers and smash Ooh. that up, Ritz. right? Get it nice. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's instead a of great bread idea. Crumbs, oh. Instead of breadcrumbs, oh. uh, mm-hmm. an egg, some milk, and then uh, chopped up onions and garlic. Saute that up and then throw it in the oven Beautiful. for, uh, oh, I Oh, wait a minute. Now you, you
3: saute the onions yeah. and the
4: garlic first? I do, yes. And then you mix it into your meat. Right. Oh, that's and then really we'll good. bake that for about 20 minutes or so, and then I will put a glaze on top for like the last five, 10 minutes. Oh. And that's just a ketchup and brown sugar glaze. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: there's
4: that's a little a, sweetness yeah. there. It's really yeah. nice. The so next bet- time I need a sandwich, Brian. Come on <laughs> over. <laughs> I, I will take care of that. That would make yeah. a good sandwich. Right. Pickles on top. So, yeah, it doesn't take more than you know, 15, 20 minutes to prepare throw it in the oven for 25, 30 minutes, and then you're done.
3: Brian, my brother-in-law, Bruce Anderson, on Thanksgiving always gets a sleeve or two of Ritz crackers, gets out the loaf pan like we're all talking about using for our meatloaves, and he makes what is essentially, he calls it an oyster stew, but it's really an oyster loaf. Oysters that he gets at the fish market, heavy cream, butter, two sleeves of crushed up Ritz crackers. The pan is buttered. He's doing exactly what you're doing. Nothing goes on the top. And then that goes in the oven. And that's the stuffing in an old New England Yankee kind of way that he loves. And I have to say it was delicious. So that sounds fantastic. That sleeve of Ritz crackers sounds really good to me.
2: Martha Stewart uses, in one of her famous meatloafs, crushed up saltines. So you're, you guys are like right on trend there.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. I wonder if we could, Chris, what would happen if we used, Alex, you might
3: know this too, crushed potato chips. What would happen? they just get soggy. Mm. Yeah, are they too
1: greasy maybe? Yeah. They might You'd have not to, to use a lot because the key to
0: the bread Just a whole bag, Chris. Yeah, the, the key, <laughs> no, no, I, I want to use a, a lot. <laughs> the key is – I mean that it's ingredient – It's not a problem. <laughs> that ingredient to dry it out a little bit, right, so you don't yeah. have soup.
3: Uh-huh. So I think we have got, to try it. I would think it would absorb yeah. just the way saltines or Ritz yep. crackers do. Well, see, this is the next experiment we're going to oh, do. I like Brian, thank you so much, by the way. Oh, you're very welcome. You're going to make that really soon now, aren't you, after hearing me Absolutely. talk? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll
4: have a sample for uh, Alex here, please.
3: <laughs> oh, nice. I like mine
4: with mustard, though, white okay. bread and mustard. Will do. Will do. I'll remember that.
3: <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about something else. In our versions of this, we kept putting all of our meatloaves into these loaf pans that look like little pound cake pans, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you use one or two. There's another way to do this. Bobby Flay does it, and then long, long ago, James Beard did this. And that's how I learned about how you make hamburger pizza. It's really a meatloaf. I'm going to tell you in just one second. Right now, if you want to join us on Facebook, we want to know who in your world just rocks you from making the best, it could be a restaurant, someone in your family, the best meatloaf Ever. And what's in there that just does it for you? And if it's a restaurant, we want to know where that is. So tell us on Facebook, Faith Middleton Fuchmoos. You can go straight into your ethnic background with these meatloafs. I found one that is this Puerto Rican website that I love. There were all these ingredients from Puerto Rican food that were making me crazy. I'm dying to make this next. Okay, here we go. This thing with the pan. So James Beard used to do an appetizer, but really Bobby Flay says that's his meatloaf. You take a pizza pan or a square sheet pan... Do your hamburger with the egg and the whatever business you want in it, the breadcrumbs, maybe the milk, garlic powder, whatever you put in there. And then you press it down into the pan. If you're doing James Beard's appetizer pizza slices that he would serve at his cocktail parties out on the east end of Long Island, put pizza topping on it. And it's so firm as the crust of the pizza that you can lift it up. Bobby Flay does his meatloaf that way, and sometimes we'll put that whole sheet pan on the grill to get a smoky flavor going. So you see where you can go with this? And then he puts all kinds of stuff on the top and cuts it up in squares, and those squares are just perfect for the sandwich. Cooks faster, too. Um, That sounds great. Robin, give us
2: some tips that you've gathered online. Okay, I have a great one from Fine Cooking Magazine. What to do with meatloaf. This is more of a preparation tip. You should use wet hands to mix that meatloaf mixture. And and why why is that? (laughs) You want to use wet hands to deal with the stickiness and also for the best texture. Use light pressure to shape that meat because you don't want it to get too dense. You don't want that meatloaf mixture to be too packed down. Because you're
3: overworking it and there's no room for the moisture to hold inside. Yeah. Would you say, yeah. Chris? Yeah,
0: no air pockets. No air pockets. Okay.
2: Yep. So thank you, Fine Cooking, for that. Yep.
3: And by the way, I wanted to say happy 25th anniversary for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Congratulations, everybody there. They do such a good job.
2: Yeah. I love it. Um,
3: you have one more tip that made my eyes pop i love this is this also from them or is this from somebody else yes
2: i also saw this on fine cooking if you're website. making meatloaf this is food network star um, alexandra gornichelli mm-hmm. so her tip is sour cream Nice. I like sour that cream is the secret to moist meatloaf
1: instead, instead of, milk of the milk,
3: chris uses when chris did his most basic yeah. you could use milk too sure. when you did your most basic you put heavy cream mm-hmm. in yep now, Alex, Alex Gornichelli, is calling for – I wonder how much sour Probably, cream.
0: Probably – I'd say one-to-one. One. So if it calls for a half a cup of cream, use a half a cup of sour cream.
3: And Chris, what would the difference be? A, <laughs> a little tang. tang.
0: sounds good. And so a little silkier again too, right? Like with that extra egg, a little mm. richness that mm-hmm. sour cream mm-hmm. has. Mm. Mm.
3: OK. I'm saving my mother's what I call meatloaf for just a little bit. And we've got one with meat and shrimp. Alex, why don't you tell us what you like to do?
1: Matt, believe it or not, is not a huge fan of meatloaf until I made meatloaf using three kinds of meat. So ground beef, a lean version of that, sausage or pork, and then lamb. And it gets thyme leaves, and it's just a less classic Americana version, and he loved it. And you can also substitute oats instead of the crackers. You can do rice as well. Yeah, I was going to say rice. I think I use the oats and a glaze as well. It's a little elevated meatloaf, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah.
3: it's like a pate that way (laughs) and and (laughs) delicious. It is Mm -hmm. the classic meatloaf recipe. And it's not necessarily, when I say classic, the fancy version. People in a lot of Cultures all over the world did it this way. They mixed up because one of the meats that Alex is mentioning, pork Mm -hmm. and beef and in his case lamb, sometimes it will be chicken for people. Sometimes it will be seafood. It's what was around, what was the cheaper one to mix in. Mm And then out came this gorgeous-tasting thing. That sounds so good, Alex. What was your glaze? Do you remember?
1: You know, a brown sugar and a ketchup. I love that. But I do think I did what Chris did. I did a couple slabs of nice bacon on top. And the key, though, you have to crisp it towards the end, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not like soggy bacon. I love Faith. I forget how good leftover meatloaf is. Like,
0: yeah. You know, I think oh. we, yeah. A sandwich. That's what okay. Faith was saying. That's no.
2: really, oh, the reason to make uh, meatloaf. That's why
1: I always yeah. make extra. Forget about dinner. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make meatloaf tonight yeah. thinking for weekend <laughs> sandwiches. Yeah. Like, well,
3: I, and, and you can make it with any protein you have in the house. I mean, absolutely anything. Or if you have no protein, sure. speaking in a yeah. strict way, you can make wonderful Vegetarian meatloaf using lentils as your base oh. and different things. You can look this up online. An egg, if you're allowed to have that. Some cheese, some spices, and some vegetables and put them in muffin tins. That way they don't dry out. They're not yeah, broad, like right, Chris? Too. And they mm-hmm. have that crispy outside. Oh, lots kids of crispy outside. <laughs> I'm Trying to get vegetables into kids. This is a wonderful way to do it. I'm going to tell you about my mother's meatloaf, though she wouldn't have called it meatloaf. But to this day, for me, there is no better meatloaf. Except the one I'm having at the moment. <laughs> Don't forget, we've got Nick Sharma coming up with his cookbook, Season. Kind of Indian flavors. Very, very good. He also has an Indian meatloaf. We'll talk about that. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back.
1: I'm a
2: Listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired March 28th, 2019.
3: I'm Faith Middleton. You can sign up for our free podcast, which is a copy of the show. And it will, once you sign up, arrive in your inbox every single week. And it means that you can listen to it on your schedule, not just our schedule. And that's why thousands and thousands of people are signing up for the podcast. I'm with my treasured food buddies. Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut; wine broker Alex Province, and senior producer Robin Doyan Aiken. Let's keep going. Let's keep going, please. Okay. (laughs) Let me tell you about my mother's meatloaf. She didn't think it was meatloaf, but it was. I'm talking about the stuffing inside her turkey. Wow. And this (laughs) had became my meatloaf. Okay. It was nothing wild. My parents are Scottish, although I'm recently told. (laughs) (laughs) I'm recently told by a scholar of nationality in Ireland. I was just at a party with him and he said, well, you know where your people in Scotland came from? And I said, yeah, more Scotland. And he said, no, the Scots and the Irish all came from Spain. And I just looked at him like, come on. And he said, no, seriously, my people, too. He said, we're all from Spain. That's and why I'm there's
1: passion up there. <laughs> oh! The Irish have passion and <laughs> I mean, soul. Funny, isn't it?
3: Okay, so my mother would, and I do this now as my meatloaf, she would, in a bowl, put a hamburger, you know, ground meat, salt and pepper, an egg, a little bit of milk, Pepperidge Farm breadcrumbs, okay. or she'd take bread and yeah. mush it all up. And then the killer ingredient was Bell's seasoning, that little yellow box with the turkey on the front. I use it. The other killer ingredient was Jimmy Dean sausage (gasps) meat.
0: Oh sure. I know someone that loves that stuff. You just ground it up and you
3: so you just mix that all up in a bowl with your fingers the way you do. And then into a greased loaf pan, in my mother's case, into the turkey carcass. So I would make sandwiches at Thanksgiving, sometimes right at the table when it came right out of the turkey. I would just – With the stuffing. Yep. Just make the sandwich. So I thought this is the best meatloaf uh, meat I've loaf. ever had in my life. So sure. It's now, cooked
0: inside a turkey.
3: Yes, and you would think that that would affect things. No, like, would I man. need a little chicken stock yeah, yeah, or a turkey no. stock or beef stock or anything? No, because of that Jimmy Dean yeah, sausage. It's got all seasoned and nice. Oh.
1: Yeah. Why couldn't you stuff it into a chicken? Out when you do a roast chicken, do a mini meatloaf for a sandwich,
3: and then I'd have two two meals. You'd have right. the
1: chicken for dinner and the meatloaf for sandwich. You're just smarter
3: than I am, as
1: usual. <laughs> it's a bonus meal. <laughs>
0: Like turducken. (laughs)
1: you
0: just got to finish the chicken before you can get to your next meal.
3: Um, (laughs) Hey, do you know uh, online I found at uh, Que Rica Vida, which is this uh, Latino site with sort of like a Puerto Ricano flavor to it. There's a meatloaf with... Shrimp, and so it's ground beef and shrimp chopped up with the usual suspects onion, the egg, breadcrumbs, milk. The difference is that they're adding a packet of old El Paso taco sauce. Nice. Now, I'm not sure that people's grandmothers in Puerto Rico or some other, you know, Latin place are going to be using that maybe they they could or something
1: similar to it but they know how to make it from scratch yeah exactly
3: i thought that sounded so great so you can look that up meatloaf with shrimp it's called chris what do you have
0: believe it or not i make meatloaf every week for the restaurant It started out as a lunch item. You have great meatloaf. For the customers? Yeah, yeah, it's been on our menu forever, meatloaf sandwiches. And my chef comes to me one day and he goes, hey, we have a little extra meatloaf. Do you want to put it on the dinner menu? I said, absolutely not. We're just not a place that serves meatloaf for dinner. Sandwich is fine. He does it anyway. Turn around six months later, it is the biggest seller on our menu and we can't make enough of it.
3: Remember when Franco Camacho yes. was on the show yes. from Shell and Bones? Yep. I said, "What if you took it off the menu, what would people, yep. you know, they'd yep. scream Bloody Murdy, and he rolled his eyes and said, yeah. the meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> He's got pomegranate molasses or something on his meatloaf. All right, you ready okay, for my ahead. meatloaf? Yeah.
0: Right. Ground beef. I don't mix anything in it except for I chop up one stick of chorizo sausage in it, the dry cured one. Cornichon pickles, I just do a rough chop of those, dried cherries, salt, pepper, a little Worcestershire sauce, whole grain mustard, and I mix that together really good. You're kind
3: of making pomegranate
0: molasses. Yeah, with all those different flavors, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Then I take in another bowl, and this is like such a key thing to making meatloaf. Take your egg, your cream, and your breadcrumb and mix them all together. First? First after, In a separate Yeah, bowl. it's separately. So you make Why? that till it's like a paste, right? So
1: you're not overworking the meat, right? So you're cause... not
0: overworking the meat is one of the reasons. And two, it incorporates better. So you get a better – um, lift? It, well, not just lift, but you get a better texture mm. in the meatloaf than if you mix it all in a bowl together. So I've done this <sighs> – I started out making meatloaf just the way we always did, just throw everything in a bowl, mix it together, slap it in the oven. That's oh. the way I made meatloaf for 100 years. And then someone told me that they make meatloaf like their grandmother made meatballs, was actually soaked bread in milk. That's and we egg. do. Yeah, yeah, and you mix that mm. separately and then you – and I was like, OK, I'll try it. Well. And it's so, night and day the difference.
3: So this raises the question for all of us of what kind of meatloaf do you like? Is this a home oh, we texture. did the burger show. Yeah. You know, when you bite in, mm-hmm. do you want it to be the thin little patty? Do you want it to be thick and chunky and juicy? With the meatloaf, do you want dense? Do you want to taste light. that crust on top? Do you want it uh, light and packed? Yeah. How do you … Do you like treasures
0: inside? Like like the, you you're like
3: juicy, Alex. Okay. Yeah. So we're in this territory by talking mm-hmm. about texture of meatloaf. Mm-hmm. We're in the territory of what is it that we all do that makes meatloaf, when you take it out, fall apart? That's
0: not enough egg and or breadcrumb. So you're saying you can't slice it. It crumbles it because crumbles, it's dry. crumbles. And
3: brought. this yeah. happens to mm-hmm. everybody yep. at least okay. once.
0: You that still can. Okay. You know what? It's a. It's a. It's the best mistake to have because, like Alex is saying, it's it. okay. You can still eat it with a spoon, right? Oh, and it I still love It still tastes good. Way. But it's about the eggs. Yeah, it's that egg mixture. That's what binds it together. Are you so basically,
3: eggs and bread, eggs, or crackers? bread and
0: cream. That mixture, or cracker doesn't doesn't matter what you use or milk. That mixture is what binds this together. So it sounds you, like
1: Lord of the Rings, Chris, you yes, really say that.
0: It, it, yeah, <laughs> it, the it, it that holds part. it together. And if you don't – uh, like O'Rourke I a you, you don't lose on the flavor <laughs> if you don't do this, right? Alex will yeah. tell you if you've ever made a meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. And I've made a ton that you hit it with the knife Crumbel and it just part, sort of yeah. blows apart. You can still scoop that up onto you a roll. You take a slotted spoon, yeah, <laughs> and you put
1: it right on you still, right on your mashed yeah,
0: potatoes. You still can eat it. So really you're only talking about texture.
3: Okay, so I've got a wine here. I thought let's open this. This was in the – New York Times. Let's see about this. Maybe it goes with meatloaf, so we'll tell you about that in a second. We have put something on the website that you are going to want to see, org. In the history of the Faith Middleton Food schmooze, nothing has had as many hits as this. Ooh, so my, we have brought things. it back because the whole show is about this moist, crispy meatloaf baked in a brown paper bag. This was a Yankee magazine recipe that went way, way, way back in time. They decided to do a cookbook of recipes from people from the ancient times (laughs) who had done these things, and this turned out to be beloved. It's ground beef, ground pork— Eggs, onion, green pepper, breadcrumbs, ketchup, mustard, salt, and pepper. And yes, you put it into a brown paper bag, and you will see that people say things to each other online, like I the
1: receipt out.
3: The, the paper bag from Stop and Shop is especially good.
1: good. You know, it's, it's harder to find in the meat. It
3: really does come out moist. Yeah. So on our website, org, you will find moist, crispy meatloaf baked in a brown paper bag. Go at it, people. Oh, hey, by the way, because there's this Indian meatloaf coming up down the line, you know uh, the Indian chef Prasad Churnamula oh, I love who comes on the show? Mm-hmm. He has a restaurant called Chef Prasad in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm dying to go because I'm crazy mm. nuts about his food. I will Love on my way restaurant. to New York because you have yep. to go cruising yeah, through New Canaan. Yeah. I'm absolutely yeah. stopping Stop at for that lunch place. And dinner. Yes. For people who want to do all vegetable or all seafood, there's a chicken and shrimp meatloaf at Food 52 and they make a whole grain mustard dipping sauce to go nice. with that. It's got a lot of stars. A lot of people tried it and they loved it. Well, Chris, you talked about doing meatloaf at your restaurant. Yep. We talked about meatloaf at Shell and Bones sure. in New Haven, it Franco Camacho's really restaurant. No. I talked about Chef Prasad's restaurant in New Canaan, Connecticut. Let's spread the love. There's one more restaurant I want to talk about. Go for it. I'm going to do it in one second. We decided to try this New York Times selection. They did a, a few wines. They said it, you might find them if your supermarket sells wine. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Not um, a this is called Apothic Red. People know this wine. It's been around for quite a long time. It's made in California. It's about 10 bucks. I would have it with meatloaf. I maybe have had some other $10 reds that I like more because mm-hmm. it's a little on the sweet side for yeah. me. Yeah plummy, fruity, vanilla side for people who like that kind of sweet thing. But it got better in the glass, and I thought, sure, if someone served this to me, I'd be drinking it. And if you had a nice meatloaf? it's called Apothic Red, and if you had a meatloaf, it would Mm -hmm. be perfect with that. There is a restaurant called Al Forno in Old Saybrook, Connecticut, Mm -hmm. and I've been Mm -hmm. going there for years. It's fascinating to me when generations pass a restaurant... From one to the next. And when the kid takes over, what the does the child do based on his or her culture? This happened at Al Forno. The restaurant cool. has been passed from wow. Bob Zemmel and Linda Juca to their son, Ben Zemmel. And we have him on the phone. Welcome to the show and congratulations.
5: Hi, thanks for having me.
3: So, Ben, tell me, We know each other a little bit. We've met before. What did you decide needed to happen that would express your vision of
5: food? I'll preface this by saying that it's really scary when you come into a restaurant. My father had this for 25 years, and he's still part of the restaurant. Yeah, of course. Um, But it's really scary to come back and look at the history and say, I'm going to make a change and then not know perfectly if that change is going to work out. And mm-hmm. so as much as we have some ideas and things, he's been successful. And I appreciate and love the reason he's been successful. So there wasn't an incredible amount that we wanted to change.
3: Hey, um, um, Ben, will you marry me? Yeah.
5: <laughs> well, I'm already married, but we do love That's you. okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Where'd that come you from? You know what they say. <laughs> uh, but,
3: you know, it, Ben, listen, I'm kidding you because I admire you so much for putting that that way. I hear the respect in what you're saying and the honesty of your feelings, so real. And I just love it. Thus, my marriage proposal. (laughs) Okay, so now let's get right down to it. What direction do you want to try to go in?
5: We have a base menu of these really wonderful Tuscan traditions that my father's built over the years. And those are, for the most part, the things that people keep coming back for. And so... Mm -hmm. My contribution was, you know, I did spend some time in Italy cooking in a restaurant over there. The biggest change we did was we did what ended up becoming a full renovation of the restaurant. While we didn't want to change too much of the menu, we did physically make a huge change by creating this beautiful bar lounge area.
3: Mm. Is that to give people a place to hang out and try cocktails?
5: It does allow us to round out the dining experience so we can have a real cocktail list, you know, multiple bourbons and whiskeys and vodkas and all the wonderful spirits, uh, some things made locally in Connecticut, beers on tap with the amount of breweries that have opened up just in our own state. My wife, you know, works in the business as well. She's a phenomenal bartender, and as much as it made sense for us to do this from a business point of view, I wanted to work with my wife, and we did not have a true bar. We had a a little counter.
3: So I know you won't be insulted when I withdraw my marriage proposal, because I hear that. That's true love. I'm so touched that you say, I wanted to work with my wife. There are folks listening to us right now who don't live anywhere near your restaurant, right. and maybe they'll have a chance to come by, but possibly not. I just want them to hear how you're thinking, you know, how to make change psychologically. The pressure of that—I've well, asked around a little bit, and people say the bar's popping, so that sounds like that's working out for the two of helped. the two of you, and. We cheer you on. Please Thank give you. my best to your parents. I love Al Forno. I will. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. I really do. I, I love that no, you. We're see always you happy here.
5: when you come. Thanks, Ben. All right. Thanks a Bye. lot. Bye,
3: Ben Zemo, Al Forno in Old Saber, Connecticut. Can I just say one more thing about the meatloaves? If you <laughs> want to do a cheesy mini meatloaves, you can do everything we talked about, but put them. In a muffin tin, you know, a greased yeah. muffin tin, and you make these little mini meatloaves. It takes you about 11 minutes to do it. By the way, kids really love this. Yeah. If you put a little of the ketchupy type stuff on the top, mm-hmm. oh my god! You serve it for dessert. They're so
2: happy. I'm going to tell you my <laughs> topping for yeah, kid go. cupcake uh. meatloaf: little potato chip shoestrings. Oh, that's the topping. Oh, oh
1: out of the,
0: the can. I can. would
2: juice oh, Get them in yeah. the oven, make them crispy on top of that meatloaf.
0: All right, you win. Now,
2: I wait. know.
0: <laughs> wait, I saw
3: someone online who put those dirkies onion rings in a can. Oh,
2: those would be good too. On those
3: the top. But yep. what you're saying beats that.
2: You're welcome, everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I need a care more, package for is those. This the too, best Robin. show.
3: Everything about it. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. <laughs> we have coming up. Nick Sharma, his book Season, will be featured next. Don't go
0: away.
5: Potato chips.
0: Hi, crunchy, crunchy. Potato chips. Crunch, crunchy, crunchy. I crunch, crunch, crunch. I don't want no lunch. All I want is potato chips. Potato chips. How my mouth does dip. Potato
2: chips. You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired March 28th, 2019.
3: I'm Faith Middleton. This is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York including Westchester County, East End of Long Island. That means the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. We love her. And to hear this show on Connecticut Public, it airs Thursdays at 3. And, of course, our podcasts are available first time at foodschmooze.org. And then they come to you, and you can listen from your inbox anytime you want on your schedule. Oh, been waiting for this because this cookbook is called Season. We think of it as Season of the Year because so many cookbooks have been doing this. But what we're talking about is how to use what the author Nick Sharma calls big flavors to create beautiful food. So he's into seasoning. His heritage is Indian. And so in this book, you're going to find Recipes that have all kinds of gettable spices and fruits from your supermarket because it's all international now and we love that. There will be on occasion something that I've never heard of before and I'm dying to get because of Nick's description of what it does. And so I might have to go find an Asian market to get my hands on it. And often he'll say, if you can't find it or you can't get it online, here's what you can substitute. So I may ask him a couple questions about what that is because we're all learning together in each of the cultures that we explore on the show. Nick Sharma, welcome to the Food Shmoose Party. Hi, Sage. Thanks for having me on. Oh, such a pleasure. Nick, I know you did this thing, a brown table. You didn't start out thinking you were going to be a cooking guy or a, a cookbook guy even though you have worked at some pretty swanky places Why this book? One
6: of the things I wanted to do when I moved to America, I saw a picture that was painted of what Indian food was, and it also wasn't something that I was used to growing up in India, so I kind of wanted to write about that. But I also realized when I moved to America, I was cooking food the way I was seeing it happen in front of me, the ingredients that were now available to me the stuff that I grew up with, and I was trying to bring everything together in my own way. So when I decided to write a cookbook, I said, that's what I want to tell people, is that I really don't cook in one particular way. I'm cooking with what's evolving and happening around me.
3: Yeah, and I wish we were next-door neighbors. That's what I felt like when I I finished (laughs) the book last night. Didn't you, Robin? I, I really did. Okay, so to start with, Chris made one of your recipes, people who listen to this show on a regular basis hear us talking about a particular spice called sumac. We all are crazy about it. I, for instance, mm. have a big container in my refrigerator, and I put it on everything. I put it on my eggs, my fish, <laughs> my chicken. My I just love the flavor. It's got this kind of tangy something. I don't even know how to describe it. So you make these sumac-seared scallops with a mostarda, this kind of mustard jam on the side. And, Chris, this was easy for you to put together.
0: Oh, yeah, very easy. And the scallops taste so good with the sumac on it. And the scallops, it doesn't get any easier than this. You just take them and pat them dry and put a little clarified butter in a pan and get it nice and warm.
3: Can you use, Nick, uh, regular
6: butter? Yeah, you could use regular butter. I use key in that because it adds an Mm -hmm. extra level of flavor. You could also just brown butter and use uh-huh. that if you not bothered by the okay. um, milk solids.
0: Let's go ahead, Chris. What would you do next? And then you sprinkle the scallops with a little sea salt, uh, black pepper, and the ground sumac. And sumac, Chris, where can we
3: get it? I get mine at an international market. That has all kinds of
0: stuff. Yeah, if you're in my area, up in the Hartford area, we have Cosmos, which is this great little international, uh, international market in, in West Hartford. So you so can yeah, get it just, online. And you can get it online. I don't think it's Amazon in Amazon will deliver super, it to you tomorrow. I don't think
3: it's in <laughs> supermarkets yet. I <laughs> haven't
0: seen it, but probably I wouldn't be surprised if some start carrying
3: it. I hope so. You know who might have it? Whole Foods might have mm-hmm. it. But in Agreed. any case, it's just this wonderful Middle Eastern spice that seems to make everything, in my opinion,
0: <laughs> better. <laughs> Much so better. So you
3: sprinkled this stuff yeah. onto the scallops, and then you cooked them on the stovetop?
0: Yeah, cook them on the stovetop, get them nice and browned and... On boit, the outside. Yeah, on the outside and soft and just warm on the inside. It's the way I like them. Or you can cook them all the way through, depending on how you like them. Then you serve it with this apple pear mustarda, and it's uh, just some pears, apples, chopped up with Dijon mustard, a little bit of sugar, mustard seed, juniper berry, which I always keep in my kitchen. I love the flavor of juniper <laughs> no. berry. No, uh, a little bit of water and some olive oil and a little splash of verju blanc, which is basically a lighter vinegar. But you can use vinegar with a little water. If so, you
3: to. so that might sound a little chefy, mm. and to be truthful, it is. <laughs> Um, you don't keep
0: juniper <laughs> berries
2: in your kitchen? Yeah. We're gifting time. A lot of people have in juniper berries. In my gin bottle. Yeah, in them. your gin <laughs> bottle.
3: Yeah. So here's what I'm, I'm going to say. Uh, there is an essence to Nick's cooking as I read it. And if I don't have something that is either from his cooking heritage or available to me or unlike a chef, I don't keep it in my house. I don't have a jar of juniper berries. I will leave it out. I'll look at it, and I'll think, hmm, what could I substitute? I'll look it up online. Don't worry about it. The point is the spice combination with the protein in the book is what oh, is so both good. healthful and delicious so and makes the food pop.
6: Right, Nick? Yeah, and I think one of the things I should point out is that both uh, juniper berries and sumac are actually ingredients that were classically used by Native Americans. hmm and so that was kind of one of the things which I, why I decided to put these ingredients in the book because these were ingredients when I came to America. I learned about them here.
0: Growing up in New York City, we had a juniper bush in front of our house, and I always wondered what those berries were until I started cooking. I'm like, that's what those berries
3: Uh huh. And you can probably get them over at Ikea. I have no yeah, doubt. Sure. You know, yeah, sure. And, and
0: again, somewhere. Amazon gets you anything by morning, basically.
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, We're giant pizza fans on the show, and this is Nick Sharma. His cookbook is called Season, how to use uh, these seasonings that are international, often Indian but international, I would say, to create big, snapping flavors and, as a result, more beautiful and I would say more healthful food because I think that's what spices do. There is a pizza, and when we did a pizza show recently – And we asked people what was the quickest, best pizza they could do. Everybody said at once they would go to the market and get naan, which is that Indian bread Mm. and is delicious. And when it's homemade, by the way. Yeah, it's delicious when somebody makes it. But if you're not going to make it, and I'm not, you can buy this in the supermarket and make – uh, Nick's version of a margarita non pizza.
6: You know, I like a good classic pizza. My only rule is lots of tomatoes and lots of cheese. Even though I've probably given specific requirements for cheese in that recipe, I always go a little overboard at home. What I wanted to do with the pizza was kind of just play on the summer tomato flavors because summer tomatoes are so beautiful and there are so many different colors. And then I use a sprinkling of nigella seeds, which kind of has this nutty onion note when once it cooks.
3: Okay, so we have a recipe for this margarita non pizza along with the scallop recipe we just talked about at our website foodschmooze.org and there is lots of information there about Nick Sharma's book Season. And there will be a third recipe, and I can't wait to get to this one. Why, Chris, I didn't say let's make these. These are spicy chocolate chip hazelnut cookies. Mm. I just want to see those words because they're <laughs> just like, I just want to, oh, sexy. That's spicy. why I <laughs> want to
2: live next door to Nick. <laughs> I think
3: I'm closest. <laughs> yeah. Spicy chocolate chip hazelnut cookies. That's on our website. <laughs> So you say that in the early 18th century, there was a marriage in Turin, Italy, and that the world has never been the same since. And you're talking about the sacred union of chocolate and hazelnuts that somebody, some brilliant person ground together to make gianduja, right? right? And that's what's in these cookies. Go ahead.
6: You know, one of the things I really love is the way hazelnut and chocolate just pair so well together. The smell, it's intoxicating. You know, you walk by a coffee shop, hazelnut that's the first thing that I go to. So I wanted to do something similar in these cookies. Use hazelnut flour because it adds an extra level of hazelnut oomph to the cookie. And then these are also coincidentally gluten-free, so it works out well for people who have issues with regular flour. And um, the chocolate, I use a semi-sweet dark chocolate just for extra flavor, but by all means go ahead and use what you're comfortable with. And then black pepper and ginger add that note of heat, to the chocolate, they stand out really well. And you can actually feel the taste of the pepper at the end.
3: Mm. Nice. Mm. And there's ginger in these cookies. So Yeah,
6: crystallized uh, ginger, yeah.
3: It's like an Indian cowboy cookie. (laughs) 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 I like that. (laughs) Um oh boy, I love it. Really, I really, really love it. That sounds sounds so good to me. Nick, I should say, because we're going wall to wall meatloaf on the show today, that you have an Indian, I would say, describe it as an Indian-centric meatloaf in the book. It, yeah. it has lots and lots and lots of ingredients. And, I, you know, I'm going to be honest, I felt a little bit intimidated. You're saying to me, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it.
6: I think one of the things that intimidates most people is when they look at a recipe and they see the number of ingredients and not the number of steps. And that's why I always encourage people, whether it's my book or someone else's book or even a newspaper, read the steps before you jump into the ingredients. Because often what will happen is to build flavor, you have to use different things. And I think one of the beautiful things about writing about food is it's my goal as a food writer to encourage and introduce people to new things and move them in a new direction and that's what i wanted to do with the meatloaf.
3: So with this meatloaf, just to support what you're saying, i did what you said just now and i see mm-hmm. oh, it's not so bad. I'm assembling a bunch of things in one bowl, you know, mm-hmm. doing a little cooking in a saucepan, and then over in this other right. bowl i'm making a glaze for the top and then it goes into the to the oven. And it cooks, and inside the yeah. meat are all these spices. Really, that's essentially the key to what you're doing,
6: right? Meatloaf is such a classic recipe. It's a dish that um, my husband's family makes, and I got introduced to it there. But you could do it in so many different ways and bring, mm-hmm. make it your own. So that's what I tried to do with this. I use a couple of seasonings that help to draw out on those flavors. So it's a bit sweet. It's a bit warm. It's a bit salty, and of course, then there's that savory note to it.
3: Now, Nick is saying that because inside this meatloaf, you have the Indian spice, which is a collection of spices called garam masala, and he Mm -hmm. adds a little cayenne to give it a little heat. Uh, in, in the beef, and he has diced Granny Smith apples so that you have this sweet tart thing going on. A lot of people will put Worcestershire sauce into the meat in a meatloaf. And there is a thing that has become more and more popular in cooking, pomegranate molasses. Mm, You've heard I us talk it. about it a lot. The first time you think to yourself, oh, that's nice but I'm not interested. When you taste it, you say, oh wow. my God, where has this been all yes. my life? And this mm. is in this meatloaf. This is a really wonderful collection of stuff. So, thank you for that, Nick. Thank you. You're welcome. I like what you're doing. I like the direction you're, you're going in. And even if I don't have every single thing you might talk about, I would try and figure out a substitute for some of the special things like the meatloafs and some of like meatloaf nut. There's one thing called amchur.
6: Yes, amchur is uh, basically an unripe mango that's taken sun-dried to let all the water out and then pounded to a powder. Mildly sweet, but it's more acidic. Mm-hmm. It's used to add a sour note to curries as well as, like I've done in the spiced meatloaf just mm-hmm. builds on that acidic note in there. Oh, wow. i got, got to go find that one. I now. know it. Is
1: it, is it like an enzyme? Doesn't it tenderize meat or something, or am I confused?
3: What's that kid thing we used to eat, that candy, that had that tart, sweet thing going on in your mouth? Sweet and sours. Sweet.
1: Yeah, I was thinking the, <laughs> the pouch that had the three flavors that you dipped the stick this into. This is a <laughs> very
3: sophisticated <joke>. show. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm, I'm so sorry we're out of time. Thank you, Nick, for being on the show, and I wish you well, and I bet I'm going to see you again.
6: Lovely to be on. Thank you so much.
3: Okay, bye, Nick. Nick Sharma, author of Season. We are on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3, and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.
0: Come to my